Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm excited about every interview we get to do on Bullseye, but I am especially excited to share with you this one. It's with Dominique Fishback. She's an actor. For the last 10 years, she has been building up her resume with supporting roles. In 2018, she appeared in the David Simon miniseries, Show Me a Hero. It was a breakthrough role for Fishback. She played Billy Rowan. Billy was a single mother growing up in a housing project in Yonkers. Fishback parlayed that into a regular role on The Deuce, another David Simon series. Then she played Deborah Johnson in Judas and the Black Messiah, a drama based on the true story of Black Panther Fred Hampton. That role earned her a BAFTA nomination, among other accolades. Fishback is terrific in all those supporting parts, but make no mistake, the woman is a star a fierce and brilliant presence on the screen. Disarming and vulnerable in one moment, terrifying in the next. And if you want proof, look no further than her latest project, Swarm. It's a TV series created by Donald Glover and writer Janine Neighbors. Dominique plays Dre. When the show begins, Dre is sharing an apartment with her foster sister, Marissa. The two of them are close. They're the kind of sisters who share everything. That includes a love for Nyjah, a pop singer who's very much like Beyonce. Dre's life unravels pretty quickly in Swarm. First, Marissa moves out, then she dies. Dre loses her apartment, her job, and before long, her grief for Marissa and her obsession with Nyjah curdle into something much more disturbing. Disturbing and deadly. Like I said, I'm excited to share with you this interview. A quick warning, as you might have guessed, Dominique and I will talk about the show and the death and violence that it depicts. There are also some graphic descriptions of violence and loss Dominique encountered in her own life. So if you or someone you're listening to is sensitive to those kinds of things, we thought you should know. Anyway, let's kick things off with a little bit of Swarm's pilot. Here, Dre is talking to Khalid, who's dating her foster sister, Marissa. This is, of course, before Marissa has died. Everything is going great. They're talking about what they have planned for Marissa's birthday. Where's the birthday coming up? I want to take on a trip to Atlanta that weekend. Got a lot of partners out there. You should roll with us. Can't. We're busy. Okay, busy half. Yeah. Now just playing for her birthday. I got us evolution tour tickets. Oh, word. How? You broke. It's nausea. We have to make sacrifices. Dominique, welcome to Bullseye. It's nice to have you on the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your terrifying television program. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Deeply distressing (laughs) television program. It is. Um, Okay, so uh, this is a stupid question that I bet is... In every interview, and I apologize for that sincerely, but who do you stand? Mm, well, my answer is often that it's ironic that I'm playing the ultimate stand because I didn't really do that. I The first concert I ever seen was in 2018. So what did you see in 2018? 
ironically, it was Jay-Z. It was 444. I played his mom in his music video for so Smile. were you in the music video first, and then you went to the Jay-Z concert? Yeah. I, I was in the music video <laughs> first. Uh, in fact, it was interesting because— So of, what you're saying is that you you were not going to go to any concerts without VIP passes. <laughs> yeah. That was the rule. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. It was just, it was just ironic. It, and actually, it was a friend that invited me. It wasn't even like, oh, you want to go to the— to the Jay-Z concert because you did the video. It was like my friend is like, hey, I'm in town. I got these tickets. You want to just come? I was like, oh, sure. I just did the video. That'd be cool. Like, it wasn't even like I reached out and said, can I go? Had you been on set with him? or Because you played his young version of his mom in that video, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he uh, he didn't come to set. Um, I think, like, some people from Rock Nation came to set, but he didn't. I ended up meeting him at the brunch, like, a couple of months later, like the Rock Nation brunch, meeting him there for the first time. I like that they have a brunch. That's mm-hmm. lovely. It is nice. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Brooklyn. You're from East New York originally, right? Yep. I have not been to East New York, but from what I understand, it's pretty real there. Mm-hmm. What was your, in even, you know, 10 years ago when, uh, you know, the world has quieted down from what it was 25 years ago. But um, uh, what was your experience of growing up there? It's kind of interesting because for a really long time, I just thought my childhood was really, really great. You know, I played football in the street with the boys. I climbed fences with the boys. Played basketball. I oh, I just I had a good time. We played manhunt, so we would go. We would hide in abandoned buildings and things like that with friends. Just, uh, and then it was like this church at the end of my block that me and my friends we were like ten, eleven, twelve. We just decided to go to the church because they were doing step. We had stepping and just like different things to keep us entertained. Like it wasn't even like our parents was like you're gonna go. It was just like something to do. So we just kind of did that, ran around. They had stepping at church. Stepping, yeah. you, I saw from your hand movement. Yeah. You're talking about the hand bone kind of stepping. Yeah, the stepping would hit yeah. your legs and things like that, and um, praise dancing and th- and all that kind of stuff. So it just gave us something to do. But I say, in hindsight, when I look back, it was like I also went to a middle school where my one of my classmates, her throat was slit from ear to ear. You know, she died at 11 years old. And um, or getting caught in the middle of a shootout when I was 12 or seeing somebody get shot three times right in front of me before um, at like 1030 in the morning. And so once that happened, I think that happened probably in like 2017, 2018, I started realizing like, hmm. I don't know if this is normal. Like, I feel like I have PTSD, but I think, but I believe that PTSD is reserved for like war torn countries or something. So maybe that's not PTSD. And, you know, everybody's rapping about things like this in, the, in their songs and music, and it doesn't feel like they're bothered by it. So it's something wrong with me that I'm, I feel bothered or like feel like I can't shake something. Uh, and that's when I first started going to therapy. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, your body, your your brain kind of tries to save you and repress, you repress memories and, and things like that. But um, what I will say, I I love my neighborhood and I love going back and I love, you know, I, I watched Swarm with them. Um, I went back home for my birthday, which was the 22nd of March and had my friends from high school and my neighborhood come and watch the show. I had a big birthday party and people from East New York came and and it's always big love. And so it's it's um, it's sad to me that, you know, East New York gets a bad rep for those things. But really, like the heart and soul and the love that that the people have for each other is also really big and it's it's nothing like Brooklyn. There's we're so we're always so excited to be from Brooklyn. Somebody said like the most cocky people are from New York. <laughs> I I was c- caught in a shootout when I was about that age. I think I was 13 mm. or something like that. Where are you and, from? And uh, I'm from San Francisco. Oh. 
And I remember the next day going down the stairs that had been behind me when uh, I was heading out the other set of stairs in the station and seeing the big blood stain on the stairs and being like, oh, right. Yeah, somebody got shot yesterday when I was in this subway station and someone was shooting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I didn't get, like, questioned by the cops or anything. There was, a, yeah. you know, dozens I was, of people in there. Yeah, I was an eyewitness to the thing, and I did not get questioned by the cops. But I, I think I kind of blacked out anyway. I don't remember what that person looked like anyway. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was a wild experience. So. And then I kind of kind of forgot, like, two months later when I finally got to therapy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling worried about death. Or, like, I feel like I think about it, like, every day, and I don't really know why. And that's not normal because somebody else said they don't think about it at all. And then she was like, well, why would you be thinking about that? And I was like, I really don't know. She was like, you don't have any recollection of why you, why that happened? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, well, take the week and, like, just kind of think about it. And then when you come back, we can talk about it. So I'm walking down the street. I'm like, Dominique, why? Why do you think about that? Why would you? Why? And then I'd be like, oh, you just saw somebody get shot three times right in front of you. Like, and then that just, it blew my mind because I was adult, an adult at that time, 20 something. So, so it was like the fact that it happened two months ago and I couldn't remember, like I really forgot. I said my, my brain worked so fast to repress it that imagine the things that we experience when we're children that we've, that we've just really repressed. So anyway. Did you get into therapy because of that directly or I think I wanted I always wanted to but then every time I thought about it I was like man nothing big happened in my life like you know I I had that idea that something I had to have something worth talking about which is such a misconception is we we all have something worth talking about even if we go there and we don't talk at all and also to be fair you had something worth talking about like there's no but before the before the experience of seeing that i see what you mean yeah before the experience so so that was the thing that catapulted was like no you have to go let's just go but before that it was like um nothing i have nothing really to talk about i get sad sometimes but like that's normal so why do i have to go to therapy you know what i mean did you go to high school in your neighborhood? I went to high school in Brownsville. So I was a couple train stops away from my neighborhood, which was also not like I didn't go leave one area to go to like a better area. Um, it all has it had its uh, economic, uh, educational challenges, its violence, all of those things. Um, but again, like the reason why I feel like I'm the actor I am today is because I spent more time in my neighborhood. Like instead of going to a performing arts high school in the city, um, for high school, I ended up going in Brownsville. So it it allowed me to be closer to my people in the areas that I grew up in a little longer. So now when I do play a character like uh, Robin in Project Power, there is, you know, I've, I've trained f- for theater um, at Pace University, but I also there's a, a rawness that I could understand, um, I think, a little bit better because I was in it for, for longer. We got to go to a quick break. When we come back, even more with Dominique Fishback. Don't miss it. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. You're listening to Bullseye. My guest is actor Dominique Fishback. She's the star of the new TV show, Swarm. She's also an avid journaler, not just for herself, but occasionally for her characters. Did your mom start you journaling? How did you end up with the journaling? Uh, we went when I was like 10. My mom definitely encourages. She says, Dom, you want to remember 
you know, remember the things that you that you experience. Um, and my mom also was like just very open. I could talk to her about everything. So I never felt like if I write something, my mom's going to read it. And, you know, she because I kind of just if I if I felt like I couldn't tell my mom something out my mouth, then I would write her a letter. And I have her read it, and I will watch her. <laughs> what did you write a letter to her about? What's an I don't know, example? If I, if I felt like, oh, man, I like this boy, and I kissed him, and now I don't know if that was good or bad. Like, I would do, like, you know, I would write things like that. I don't know. And did, like, now, I'm, wanting, I'm looking for a concrete example here. You're being vague. Uh, Let's hear well, a time. Well, it's a journal. It's what's a journal, a time so that you, personal. What's a time that you... <laughs> you I don't, don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can tell a story about... When I was uh, 12 and I had a crush on an actor from TV and I wrote a letter saying like, just I wish I had my phone. My phone isn't working right now <laughs> for some reason. Um, but I write like, dare this actor. I know you don't know me, but I think I'm the kind of girl that you like. I have good personality, a nice smile. The only problem is I'm 13 and you're 15. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I think that if you knew me, you'd like me. And uh, anyway, uh, love your biggest fan. Right. And this was on December 22nd. 2004 I wrote this letter then December 22nd 2022 I actually ended up having lunch with the actor that I wrote this letter to 18 years to the day from and I and I have the actual letter because it was in one of those journals started journal when I was 10 yeah I think it's okay for us to say that it was Jaleel White Urkel from (laughs) Family Matters that's funny it's a very handsome man (laughs) (laughs) Did you tell this actor that you... I sure you're... did. At the lunch, I was like, you're not going to believe this, but I, I wrote a letter on this day 18 years ago, and uh, I'm not going to read you the content of it. And then I ended up seeing him again recently, and so I was like, you know what? I'll read it to you. I read it to him. <laughs> Your face is so funny. <laughs> he was pretty cool about it. Did you, like, print it out and bring it with you? No, because I, I was so shocked that I found it in his journal that I took a, a picture on my phone. Of the actual written letter from the journal. So I had a picture of it. So I was like, oh, I'll read this to you. Were you always secure writing in a journal? Did that always feel safe and comfortable to you? Yes. And I'm more, probably more comfortable than actually speaking to things out loud. I, learned, I was talking to a friend about vulnerability and how uh, everybody's vulnerability is different. So I can go on a stage and talk to like 150 people, like 150, 300, whatever people and say, oh yeah, I was scared about doing Swarm because of X, Y, and Z. I didn't want you guys, I want you guys to like it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not afraid of saying what I'm afraid of personally, but intimate one-on-one relationships, like me having to tell a guy that I like him and I don't know if he likes me. Pff, oh, I will, I'll be cute, cool as a cucumber. I'm not saying nothing. I'll sit there smiling. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't know a thing. You're not passing him a letter? Uh, well, once I get a little comfortable, then I definitely write letters and I read them. Write to them. Like, I'm going to read this to you. I, I love it. <laughs> Do you journal about your characters? Yes. But for uh, Dre, for Swarm, I didn't journal. I journal for myself more. Okay, wait. So I said about, do you journal? You journal, oh, as, journal your as your characters. characters. Yeah. I journal as my characters started that when I was doing Show Me a Hero. Um, and then uh, Darlene on a deuce. And then really for uh, Deborah Johnson and Judas and the Black Messiah because she was actually a poet. 
And I asked Chaka, the director, writer, if I could have a journal that she carries around. So a journal that she has in the movie is just one that I just wanted her to carry because she was a poet. And I wanted something that said that she had a life outside of just being in love with the chairman or being a panther. Like, I wanted it to say, like, even if we don't know all the content in this journal, we know that she's having thoughts about something and she cares enough about it outside of what we get to see. It's a, I mean, it's a manifestation of the fact that she has a life that isn't depicted on screen. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a way to depict on screen that she has a life off screen. Yes, and that was important to me. And then, you know, uh, the poem that's in the movie, it wasn't in the script when I first read it, and I said, I think, you know, I think we missed an opportunity because the first thing she asked Chairman is, do you like poetry? And the poets, the Panthers are very poetic people, but we we don't actually see it in the movie. He was like, I think you're right. Do you want to take a shot at that poem? And so I ended up writing a poem. And so because I had the poem, it was like, I wrote poems for like the first time she kissed Chairman Fred. All these poems is in this book that we never get to, that never sees the light of day, but it's there. So I really journaled as um, as that character. And then when it came to Dre, um, psych- psychologically, I couldn't follow her on the page. So I thought it was more important that I journal for myself and identify anything that like gave me pause or made me afraid. And if it did that, then I wrote it out and saw why. If it was my own feelings, then I could address it. If it was because I thought society was going to feel away or think weird or whatever, then that was something else that I had to also address. In Swarm, your character's, uh, you know, best friend and foster sister is, uh, has a, has a sort of split with your character that immediately leads to her death not as a you know cause and effect but is immediately followed by your character's friend and foster sister's death that disjuncture sort of tears apart your character's life Mm -hmm. um and you sit before me as a non-serial killer fingers crossed (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, but, um, I wonder how you relate to someone that has had that, you know, she has a very narrow life and to lose like the one thing that's something, Mm. um, how do you relate to that amount of, you know, losing your mooring? Yeah, I think the first time that I experienced like a a loss that really shook me was in 2012 when my grandmother died because I felt I felt the weight of the word mother and grandmother I didn't feel that before because I both my parents my mom raised me I grew up in a house with my grandmother as well my aunt and my cousins but I think I didn't realize the weight of the word mother and grandmother until she was gone and that really, like, it, it broke my heart that she wasn't there anymore. And she was, like, the glue. And my mom was one of seven. I'm one of 19 grandkids. We always went to Christmas in Long Island. But now that she's gone, like, we're not really doing that as much. And then in 2020, my aunt, who I also grew up in a house with, she passed away from cancer. And that was also a really just, uh, it kind of it destroyed me. It actually, uh it kind of catapulted me into my own like little spiritual awakening because I was having an existential crisis being like, why are we here? You know, like, and because at this point I had done, um, 
Judas. I had done these different films. And I had put, growing up, I had put everything towards this. Like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do all these things and then I'll feel better. I won't feel sad or whatever it was that I put since I was a kid in my mind that this would give me. Uh, losing my aunt, it was like, she, it, she like passed away like a month after Project Power came out. Um, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know about this. Like, what's the point? Like, I'm here. I am trying to be a better person. I've been trying to do these things. I've been growing in this way. I've been forgiving family members for this and that and friends and opening myself up to like what it means to actually be love. And then I like we lose this person, and it just feels so gut wrenching. I feel so lost. Um, but when you hit a, like a spiritual rock bottom like that, um, I think that was what let me know the expansiveness of of God and the universe and and really why why we're here in the time that we have while we're here so i the, so I think for dre, I think that's probably similar the fact of like but it just it didn't turn out the way it turned out for me because I do come from a big family, I do come from a lot of support. It didn't turn out for her that way because she had no one, even when she went to the funeral, it was like you don't belong here, so what does she do then? You don't have to answer any of, of personal questions you don't want to, so don't worry about it if if there's anything that's weird. Um, when did your aunt die compared to COVID? COVID was like March of 2020, so she died in September 2020, and it was cancer. So, um, did she have to be in the hospital a lot? Uh, she did, and every time we thought that she wasn't she going to make it, she kept pulling through. So even the fact that... I I started looking at it as because you know I like the first time I was on TV the day before that uh, the day after that my grandma died and I felt like and then when I flew out to go to New Orleans to film Project Power with Jamie Fox and Joseph Gordon-Levitt this woman who was like a second mom to me she died the same day I had to fly out so I started I was like I don't want to take this idea that thing something good happens and something bad doesn't happen I don't want to take that as my narrative. I just will take the fact that I get to live big dreams because I could not live big dreams and these sad things could happen or I could live big dreams and these sad things could happen too. So um, my I got to see like Project Power like three times with my aunt before she passed away. And so I got to say, all right, well, at least she got to see me on TV. She got to see her niece that she grew up, that grew up with her in Brooklyn say, I want to be an actor. And she watched all of it happen, came to my theater, my plays. She got to see it. So I could be happy about that. Um, but yeah, it was in it was September. Did you get to see her the way that you would have liked to? Yeah, you know, um, the Friday. So I think she passed away on the Saturday. And that Friday, I was like, man, I'm going to go see my aunt. And I took my cousin with me, one of my other cousins. I was like, come on, let's just go see her. Um, and went to see her. She was like not really talking that much. And I kissed her on her cheek and I was talking about this boy that I liked she said oh you really like him I was like yeah I like you know I was just telling her trying to have girl talk with her and she said that's she's like that's nice and um she always said this thing to us like uh I love you too much I love you too much that's how she used to say it so I just kept saying that to her and then when we were leaving I looked back at her and she was looking at me like long time like like taking me in I'm about to cry probably uh, like really taking me in 
And uh, I kept being like, man, maybe I should go back. And I think I had a mask on, too. I was like, maybe I wish I would have, like, pulled the mask down and kissed her on her cheek or something. I kissed her with the mask on her cheek. But I was like, maybe I should have just did that because what was COVID going to do at this point? Like, you know what I mean? And But I just kept, and I said, all right, done. Like, I, it was almost like I energetically had to tear myself away from leaving that room and went about my day with my cousin. And then, like, five, seven, something like that in the morning, my mom called me and told me my aunt passed away. So I literally saw her the day, the day before. When my grandmother passed away, um, I went there with my uh, my wife and my dad to Orange County where she lived. And um, I remember it was the, the night before she died, she was in bed. And we didn't know that she was going to die. She was in the hospital. but And uh, my dad wasn't there. And I remember her asking me where my dad was. And I said, oh, you know, I think he went to the movies. And uh, she looked at me and she said, he does love going to the movies. And that was like that moment of of talking about a boy like, you know, mm-hmm. it was just just a moment of seeing each other. Um, yeah. I'm glad you got to have that experience. Me too. Thank you. Because I I could also be very hard on myself. I mean, I also got an experience with my grandmother, too, that I was happy about. Because it was like one morning I woke up and I was like, it was I a good granddaughter. Sometimes I was angry with my grandma. Like, does she know that I love her? And I'm like crying. And my mom comes in the room and she's like, just see her tomorrow, Don, before you go to school. I was in college at the time and I was going to rehearsals and I was just moving. She was in a nursing home after she lived with us for a while. And I have a poem about that. It's on YouTube. It's called The Guilty One. But... Um, I went to see her and before I got in the room, I said, what's cooking good looking? That's what she used to always say. Um, and I could just see from the corner, she like perked up and she was like so happy to see me. We played Rummy Cube. She loves that game. We played that. And then after a while, and I was going to apologize for the times that I felt like I had an attitude, but I got so nervous and so scared to say that. Um, and so I was like, okay, grandma, I got to go. And um, I started walking to the door and I was like, Dom, if you don't say it, you're going to regret it your whole life. So I said, Grandma, I'm sorry if I was mean and wasn't a good granddaughter. I'm sorry if I ever hurt your feelings. And she was like, I, I don't know if I could curse on here. I could say the A. Okay, she goes, I ain't pay your no mind. <laughs> you know, and she just hugged me and kept kissing me on my cheek and saying she loved me, she loved me, she loved me. And my grandma wasn't that affectionate. And that was her way of being like, girl, like, you think about something I'm not even thinking about. Even if she was thinking about it, she let me, she gave me peace. She gave me peace with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tremendous thing for yeah. a grandma to say yeah that, I got 19 grandkids yeah. you think you're the yeah exactly right? that's so funny but I got that moment and she was kissing me and saying I love you love you love you and and so I'm happy that, and that's why I think when I write these letters to people whether it's a guy like or a friend or whatever I try to say what's really on my heart because I don't want to have any regrets like, did I not say I love? Did I not tell them how much I love them or how much they helped me grow, how much they make me a better person, how much they make me smile? I really try to do that because I don't want to have any regrets. We'll finish up with Dominique Fishback after a quick break. Until now, she'd played mostly sweet, sympathetic roles. Her part in Swarm, though, is a departure. We'll talk about what that change was like. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more 
about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation, the show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Welcome back to Bullseye. I am Jesse Thorne. My guest is Dominique Fishback. She's an actor who's appeared in critically acclaimed movies and TV shows like Judas and the Black Messiah, Show Me a Hero, and The Deuce. She's also the star of a new show called Swarm. Fishback plays the central character, Dre. She's obsessed with a pop singer named Nija, and that obsession goes to a dark and violent place. The show's streaming right now on Amazon Prime. Let's get back into the rest of my interview with Dominique Fishback. Why did you want to be the deeply damaged and terrifying serial killer on the show when you could have been the best friend slash sister mm-hmm. that loves her and smiles in a pretty way that makes her feel warm inside? Because I felt like, um, because, uh, like, I love I love acting. It was also hard. You leave your family for a really long time, 17-hour days sometimes. You do all of this stuff. You wake up every day when you don't want to go sometimes, and you just do it. And so I, at that point, I was like, man, you know, I did some, I did Transformers. I did Jesus and the Black Messiah. Like, what do I do that makes me want to wake up and feel like, like I'm challenging myself as an actor? Like, I want to I wanna have a challenge. And when this opportunity came, I thought about Charlize Theron and Monster. I thought about Boys Don't Cry. I thought about Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice. You know, who, like, who wants to play the mother who has to choose between her children? And she does. You know, but, but those are defining moments for people um, um, in their career. You want, I wanted to not catch up to myself as an actor. I didn't want to get bored with myself. I didn't want to... Be, I didn't want to predict what I was going to do next, let alone what everybody else was going to predict that I was going to do next. I wanted to keep my own self on my toes. And I wanted to I wanted to see how far from myself I could actually get. And I struggle with the idea of um, what it means to be light, you know, as I want to do light work. I want to I want to have God in the things that I do. So what does that mean? But you come to a world and it's full of duality, good and bad, dark and light and like when we try to spiritually bypass things, that's when we mess up. We can't spiritually bypass that there's darkness here too, you know? Um, and so I wanted to say, if I'm going to be light, uh, am I only going to be light in the things that's easy to identify as light? Or am I going to bring light to the things that we ignore? Right? Because, you know, maybe we'll think about people differently when we see somebody who's, uh, who we perceive as odd in the corner somewhere. You know, like, because if we're being honest, the whole pilot, she wants to be left alone. She's not bothering anybody. The boyfriend is picking at her. Come on, cherry pie. Oh, you this? Oh, you that? Like, even in the second episode, the strippers, they're like, oh, weirdo. Like, they just, she's minding her business. You keep picking. Why? Or, or that idea of being on social media and forgetting that there's other people on the other end of the comments that we make. 
like we're hu- like actually human beings. So well, say so I don't like this. Why her face look like? Why her hair? Like, why did this? It's all these things that we're saying, forgetting that there's people on the other side of the things that we say. And so Dre is kind of like she's the pull up. She's like the Grim Reaper. She's like the pull up queen. She's like the person that you said this thing. You're held accountable for the things that you say. And so I just wanted to like uh, lend lend my artistry to something like that. I was doing an interview once, and this guy was like, "Man, it was like I it, I felt weird because I felt like I did care about her some, even though she was doing these these terrible things." And I said, "I could have played her with no humanity at all. I could have not made her as sad as she was when her friend died. Not as sad as she was when she had to kill certain a certain person in another episode. Like, but no, she actually has feel. She does have feelings." Um, and so I just wanted to bring a different idea to it energetically, I guess. Well, I, I sure am grateful f- to you for taking this time to talk to me and for your incredible work. Thank um, you so much. Uh, yeah, you're you're really gifted. And um, thanks. thanks for taking the time. Of course. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate being able to have like a conversation. You know, you'll do like a, a short interview for a, a magazine or something. You get these little things. But to have actually a conversation, I've never gotten to talk about my grandmother or my aunt. And it was really special to connect with you that way and to talk about those things. Um, and maybe this conversation will help somebody else that's dealing with that. So I do appreciate you having the space to like allow that to flow. Thank you very much. Was that actor Frankie Muniz no. from <laughs> yeah. Malcolm in the Middle? No, it wasn't. <laughs> Dominique Fishback. You can catch her in Swarm right now. It is on Amazon Prime. Boy, is she fantastic in it. She's just great. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Outside my house... The black asphalt has gone light gray because the great city of Los Angeles has painted it with some kind of heat reflective material so it doesn't uh, operate as a heat sink. It's going to cool down my street this summer. I'm very excited about it. Thank you, city of Los Angeles. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellows at Maximum Fun are Tabitha Myers and Brianna Paz. We get booking help from Marin Davis. Our interstitial music is composed and provided to us by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Our theme song is by The Go Team. It's called Huddle Formation. Thanks to them and Memphis Industries, their label, for sharing it with us. You can find Bullseye on all your social media platforms, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Follow us in those places. We will share with you our interviews. Hopefully you can share them with others. I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.